This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm going to throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. Powered by cellular transport technology to deliver hydration to the body faster and more efficiently than water can just do alone. One stick contains three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with five essential vitamins. Now, I pride myself on telling you about things that I either already like or just use in my everyday life. And I have to say, I've actually been a fan of Liquid IV for a long, long time now. I use it for everything from, you know, just long runs to stay in shape, all those late nights with those after hours or just when I'm feeling a little dehydrated. I turn to it so it could just, my God, set me straight, make me feel like a million bucks again, and just get me ready for the day. So please head on over to their website. That's liquid-iv.com to check out their amazing line of products. And get this, when you use promo code Art of the Beholder, all one word, you'll get 20% off your order. Now, if you need a little direction on where to start, I recommend Lemon Lime. Guys, you're going to love it, won't be disappointed. So please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures. Now, back to the show. Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of art, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art in comedy. To do so, we're talking with Willie Zabar. Mr. Zabar is a comedian and artist based in New York City and the host of Zabar's podcast. Willie, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. We are so happy you're here today because this is something I've been wanting to talk about for fucking ever. Now, before we can dive into the meat of the matter, the art that is comedy, I always like to ask my guests to give us a little background. So, um, Willie, tell us yes. about your roots. What led you down this path to becoming a comedian? Yeah, so I grew up in New York City. Um, there's a comedy club in my neighborhood called Stand Up New York. And when I was in high school, basically everyone had to do a certain number of hours of community service to graduate. And my dad was like, uh, oh, there's this youth hostel on 103rd Street. You should go and see if you can volunteer there. He had you know, traveled around the country and gone to different hostels when he was young. And I went and they said, you know, we've got these... Uh, We've got these like bar nights where they basically have two free drinks for every hosteler. And they said, we're always looking <laughs> for right. volunteers to just serve beer to the hostelers. I'm like 17. Okay. Sure. Sounds good, man. It sounds like, I feel like you got a story service. there somewhere. Well, uh, well, the first day, the, 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 the main you, guy. Well, I don't want you to get in trouble. Maybe. No, 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 no. I mean, listen. For another day. <laughs> technically, uh, you know, I only served soda until I turned 18 and then I served the beer. You can't mix drinks till you're 21, but technically if you're 18, you can you can give someone a can of beer. There you uh, go. And then also, technically we weren't selling anything. So I don't know. what I, this, I don't know what the statute limitations are on that but i'm uh, i'm pretty confident that i'm gonna be fine <laughs> so the first i day, won't tell if you won't tell yeah absolutely sounds good to me so the first day um the boss kind of brings me to the bar and says okay there's a cooler full of drinks just like wait here don't let anyone touch it just hang out walked away i was standing there and this this dude this like this dude came over and started just kind of like going through through the cooler and i'm like hmm. 17 i was like hey man i'm supposed what, to what tell are you, you doing <laughs> yeah like I yeah, don't, what are you doing i don't know what you're doing and i don't think you're supposed to do it but i'm a little scared of you and he, he looks and goes oh I'm just another volunteer oh like, oh okay and he turned out to be this guy named joe Zelensky, uh the stand-up comic who worked at that club stand-up new york and the whole reason that he would do these um 
these volunteer gigs was he would give out free tickets to his shows because the club made all their money off of the two drink minimum. He was like, oh, you want tickets? And he would just give me free tickets to see these shows. So I was like, my 17, 18 would just go with my friend Jacob Salzman and we just go see stand up shows. And so for, you know, you know, junior and senior of high school, I was just going to comedy shows and seeing, you're just eat, eating, drinking, sleeping comedy. Basically. Yeah. And before that, I was really, you know, probably, you know, since eighth grade was really into George Carlin and had listened to a lot of comedy albums and had a lot of comedy CDs. Uh, and I was just really into it. And then one day he was just talking about stand up, and I said very offhand, like, man, I've kind of always wanted to try stand up. He said, what's stopping you? And I was mm. like, ooh, I do not have an answer to that question. The rest, as they say, is history. Exactly. <laughs> How long you been in the game now, man? Well, that was about, that was 11 years ago. So that's the first time I did it, but I've been doing it for real since the end of college. So minus a year for, for COVID, it's about five New York years. Okay. <laughs> it is, um, who do you, uh, I know a lot of artists can kind of pinpoint at least one or a, a number of artists that they, that they can say this guy or gal helped to inspire me to become the artist in my craft. Was it Carlin for you? Yeah. George Carlin was always, you know, the template for stand up. And when I was in college, I found out this artist, uh, she goes by the name dynasty handbag. She's amazing. Dynasty. Her real name's Jim <laughs> who is Jim Yeah, Who is Dynasty Handbag? She's incredible. So she's this uh, LA-based comedian performance artist. So she's way more, she seems to be like more plugged into the performance world. Um, but she's a comedian. She's like funnier than most comedians. So I consider, you know, it, it, labels are fuzzy, especially once you get out of the clubs. So sure. you call her like, you know, one of the reigning alternative comedians on the West Coast. Um, and she's really plugged into the academic world. And I found out about her through one of my professors at Wesleyan. Uh, and she just changed the game for me of just like what it, what it means for you to be doing a character. Cause she was just like, she, it doesn't, there's no, um, formula to it. She doesn't do a kind of act that you can teach in a self-help book or that you can take a class to do. It's really just, she found this camera, this, this character, she figured yeah. it out and she's just consistently hilarious. Tell so us her name yeah. one more time. Her real the, name. The, her real name is Jibs Cameron. Jibs. How do you spell Jibs? I believe it is. Uh, I'm going to actually confirm it before I say the wrong thing. Yeah. J-I-B-Z. J-I-B. Oh, okay. I, th yeah. I feel like that sounds like a stage name. Jibs. It, it does. But you'll, you'll, you'll find more stuff if you search uh, Dynasty <laughs> Handbag. Definitely. Dynasty that's Handbag. The, okay. Guys, check out Miss Dynasty Handbag. Now, um, what kind of. So let's let's dig into sure. a little more of comedy as an art form. That's what we like to do on the sure. show is, you know, dissect things from an artistic perspective. Uh, first, um, what kind of comedy like when I was I like to I like to research my guests. I did a little Instagram stalking okay. and I, I, I felt like you do a little of everything. It's like stand up. It's like man on the street. Like what what's um, do you do? Do you like to do everything or is there an area where you're like, no, this is really this is where I this is where I live. There's a couple of things I do that I, that I feel like are main pillars of what I do, but I'm also I just try to keep trying new things. And every now and again, I'll try something and people say, oh, I like this. Do more of that. And I'll try to do more of it. Uh, so the two main things are stand up comedy, which I've been in for the longest. And then the other one is uh, I do a character act. So the, and the character is, is a that musician. Jaime, is that, uh, you know, if is that I, Mr. I, Wilhelm? Produce, I produce the content for Mr. Wilhelm. I see. OK, yes. so okay. that's a that's a musical act. And we get to meet him later or is that, I don't know. He's not around. Maybe he's another pretty, show. He's, okay. It's not easy to work with. <laughs> I'll give him a quick bio while we're at it. Sure. He is a famous German musician and live streamer. Check him out. Jaime Wilhelm. Mr. Willie Zabar produces him. 
You're so you're like a manager. Yeah, basically, basically, you know, like a, like a, I just do everything for him. I, I get if he needs costumes, I buy costumes. I you know I write, I do ghost write some of his stuff, but he doesn't always stick to the script. I've always kind of gravitated towards um, obviously improv. That's why I have a fucking podcast show because <laughs> yeah. uh, it's easier to riff. Um, and uh, you know, like I've always I've always you know loved. Uh, Second City, nice. those, you know, those kind of troops and things like that. But there's something about stand up mm-hmm. that I feel like is more of an art form. Like these are, I don't know, these are true artists. When I look at some of my favorites, like Louis C.K. and Bill Burr and fucking Chappelle and all those guys, and a lot of amazing women are, you know, coming out of the gates um, in the last 10, 15 years, like mm-hmm. Wolf and stuff like that. I, um, I am so curious to, I want, you to kind of break it down like an art form like right. how do you construct a joke how do you uh test it and you know tell us while you're doing that tell us your style is it sure do you lean on political themes uh religious themes just social commentary observational kind of give us a little bit of how you build your you know comedic chops from big beginning middle and end sure so uh i carry around a little pocket notepad with me and typically my process is if i think of something or if i'm having a conversation and i i say something that like gets a laugh or i think or doesn't get a laugh i think it could be funny with work i take out the notepad sometimes surreptitiously and just kind of write it down and i'll do that you know maybe a couple times a week and then let's say you actually construct jokes or just kind of ideas it depends so usually it's just an idea Um, or it's just the punchline or a premise or something like that. Uh, I'm not the most formulaic writer. Like I'll, I'll tell you how other people do it and I'll tell you how to do it. So the, the the main approach that a lot of people do is this idea of, um, premise setup punchline. So, uh, I use that sometimes when I'm writing, like constructing a joke, but that's not like my go-to. My go-to is kind of a combination of one-liners and stories. And it's, you know, funny is funny. It's just getting a laugh. So it's more about if I'm saying, oh, I'm trying to tell, this one story and add a bunch of one-liners into it, that's one thing versus, oh, I want to tell a bunch of one-liners, but I have to choose ones that kind of flow together and maybe mm. rewrite them to flow into each other. That's another approach. So is it is it story from beginning to end or just like little vignettes? It, de- it depends. It depends because so when you start out, you're doing like five-minute sets, sometimes less. I mean, I, I was doing open mics that were like three minutes for uh, before the pandemic when I was, you know, kind of... <laughs> I, I become dense material. You got to get it all in. Yeah, real quick. exactly. I mean, you have to you have to establish who you are. You have to get the crowd to like you, and then you have to deliver uh, your stuff. And there's there's a really good approach that I learned from someone that was called it's called the shit sandwich, where basically you start with something you know works that's good, and you end with something that you know works, but in the middle you put the experimental stuff. Mm. So worst case scenario, that stuff bombs. You still have a decent beginning and hopefully a decent end. It's 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 a way to kind of give the people what they want. But the problem is it really, cause the center of it, because the center is where the experiment happens. Like you, you lose time. So a three minute mic really becomes a one minute opportunity to try new stuff. Um, so when you're starting out before you have the ability to really book shows, it's really hard to build your set and work on material. I never thought about it that way. I, I, I yeah, I, I think this is eye opening because I, th- I don't think a lot of people, especially from like someone like me that's looking out, looking in from the outside, realizes how you have to build your chops with so little time. There's, there's, yeah. there's a lot of mathematics in comedy yeah. in a way, and we're not all good at math. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, well, um, yeah, let's build off of that sure. because I, so we're starting with three minutes, sometimes right. five minutes. Um, what are you working with now these days? Uh, these days I'm doing like eight to 10 minute sets and then occasional 15, something like that. So a long sets right now is 15. Yeah, I think okay. I've done, I think 20 for stand up, 20 is my max for character. I did a, I did a three hour uh, like endurance art kind of performance <laughs> once as a, as a bit. And I got I got sick. I got a sore throat from talking for three hours and I had to I had to take some time off because I was just sick. Yeah, jeez. I was just oh, ill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a fun. That was a fun accomplishment. You can find the live stream of that. Are you still doing the shit sandwich with 15 minutes? Um, Well, well for 15 minutes, that's more of a like by the time that's because that's a real set. That's like a real show. You're generally yeah. for those you're doing stuff, you know, works. The shit sandwich okay. is really for experimenting and, and building new stuff. So you're workshopping when you're doing the shit sandwich. Right. But, but but what's interesting is that so open mics, it's basically it's all comedians, right? So it's all yeah. it's all depressed people in a room <laughs> and a lot of them have probably heard your material before so gotcha. it's actually it's not always good intel it's not always ah. indicative because even a joke that works might not work for them because they've heard it before or they're just not paying attention because a lot of people are they're either focused on what they're going to say on stage or they're ruminating on how their set went so really so it, it, it's a catch-22 because real audiences give you the best information but it's also the highest stakes so you don't want to try the newest untested stuff there i see um that um reminds me to ask you a question mm -hmm. about the room itself yes. because i think a lot of people since i've been studying so we had a show a long time mm -hmm. ago it's in the vault i don't think we'll ever probably release it where we kind of just you know looked at comedy from its history to its mm -hmm. present time manifestation and maybe what the future is and really try to break it down on a very fundamental level and dissect it that way uh and a lot of it was hard to really translate that's why i wanted to bring someone like you on sure. because part of the thing that i was when i was doing my research like a year ago is i you know i kind of knew but i didn't really realize how much comedians actually take the room into account because mm -hmm. part of the art and the experience is everything right? right like the literal acoustics of the room the audience how they react everything so speak a little to that yeah i mean people talk about the uh the ceiling heights as being a big factor because low ceilings really means intimate yeah people love comics love a nice intimate room where like th that's part of why people love like the the, the american comedy club model where it's really, it's kind of a wide room. It's not an auditorium. It's not like a, it's not like a deep theater. It's a wide room with low ceilings. It's it's intimate because there's not a lot. There's not a lot of headroom. There's not. It's not like you're looking at this performer who's on this giant stage with this proscenium. It's just. It's basically the audience and the performer right there, eye to eye, face to face. You get, if you want to get a little more woo woo, there are people talking about energy and the idea of energy bouncing around the space and like let's get a little more back, Let's do it. So I mean, if you ever, it's interesting. You ever seen uh, the stuff at music shows too? When when it's a deep space, when it's a when it's a large audience space, you'll notice that the further back people are in the audience, the more likely they are to be on their phone or chatting with each other because there's kind of just a drop. There's a drop off. I don't know what it, I don't. Exactly. Yeah. So it's I don't know if it's a drop off of intimacy or energy, whatever you want to call it, but it's one of the reasons that people, you know, yeah, like you said, the, the shape of the room has a big impact. But the other big factor are the people in that room. What, what is their age? What are their political leanings? You gotta play um, to your audience, right? Exactly. So I have material that I know works really. So I'm from the Upper West Side, Manhattan, um, and uh, basically I'm 
I'm a Jew. I'll say it. I'm Jewish. And my my family, so my family, we, we run like a deli, a Jewish deli. And is that Zabar's deli? Is that yeah, it's actually like pronounced I, Zabar's. I, I, saw, I hate the. Z- oh, excuse me, Zabar's. It's, people say Zabar's a lot. People from like Georgia say Zabar's a lot. So uh, I'm from the Midwest. If you're from the Midwest. Any, okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. The um, South, you know. Kind it's of one of the, hey, like if you've only ever like read it on a shopping bag, like I, it, it's it's understandable, you know. <laughs> I was just like, how deep in the podcast do I wait wait to? to oh correct? no 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 yeah no I I love to be you know, correct me when I'm Hell wrong, yeah. man. Yeah, Hell give yeah. it to me. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, all this to say that when I'm performing close to where I'm from, I'll lean into that because that's what the people want. Like it's I don't do it every set, but they're you know they're, if I'm performing in like a synagogue or something like that, sure. It's weird. Have not you to performed bring it in a synagogue? I performed in like the uh, the auditorium of synagogues. I don't. I've been. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I mean, okay. I was on a panel on the on the stage. That's got to be a church. rough crowd. That's got to be. Is that oh, a hard no, crowd? No, you, they were you know my crowd? fucking hand, man. It's just like that's the that's my target <laughs> demo. Is like people from my synagogue. I mean, could oh, you I get, love it. I would get yeah, a more custom tailored fit. This is why I love these kind of interviews. I don't know exactly where the the, the interview is going to go, but I would have I would have <laughs> never uh, guessed. I we were going to be talking about synagogue yeah, uh, performance art comedy. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, so we're talking about we've talked about construction. We've talked mm-hmm. about workshopping, road testing. How do you perfect it? Yeah. So it's it's really hard. I mean, I don't. The shortest is I don't know because I nothing's perfect. <laughs> if there was a perfect recipe for it, we'd we, we'd be all we'd all be famous, right? Exactly. And like you know, poets talk about how they're like the, the poem's never done. They're always rewriting it. They say. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I know. I can who, relate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like the whole thing where it's like, you know, as long as you're still alive, you're always, ha- you, you reserve the right to rewrite the piece. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so my process is basically once I have those little, like I said, the little notepad scribblings and let's say I say, oh, okay, I got a show coming up. What am I going to do at the show? What I'll do is I'll take a bigger notebook and I'll kind of bullet point all the jokes that I wrote that month or like since the last time I really did this process. So I'll look through the notepad. Really landing kind of thing. Right. Well, th- things that are landing and then also I- things that I haven't necessarily worked out, like mm-hmm. ha- I haven't worked on yet. So I'll just make a list. And then sometimes I'll look at that list of jokes and ideas and say, you know what? There's actually a theme here. There's a lot of these are the same topic. So I might prioritize those or you realize, you know, oh, these two go together. When I started out, I would just do one-liners. And what I didn't hadn't learned yet is that the more they flow into each other, the more it's like a st- story or more of like a voyage or whatever like it, mm-hmm. it just flows it's just there's yeah. it's got smooth curves to it versus i would say a joke about topic a and then talk about topic b and then talk about topic a again like it, it was it, it was it was disjointed and so i've learned to kind of make things flow a little more and the more you work it the more you realize oh actually this does flow into this because even though these are different topics they're both connected by like the theme of self-doubt for example and you can yeah. use that to and then sometimes you can actually expand the bit that way so when I'm do when I'm being like a good boy and like doing the full <laughs> process, yeah. what I'll do then is write out the bits long, like long form, like type them up mm. or write them by hand. And there's a lot of comics that swear by that. Like they can't like Jerry Seinfeld own like you know, he can't write do it that way. He can't not do yeah. it. And I'm yeah. I, I believe in a mix. I'm like, I am comfortable going up with bullet points and figuring it out as I go. Uh, but also I'll admit that like I think a lot of my strongest bits are the ones that I have written out long form and consciously, you know, trimmed down to be as short as possible. When people talk about type five, it's about, you know, removing all the unnecessary words. They say getting all the air out of something. Um, so that's something I'm always trying to improve on, but the basic, but that's, that's the basic process of, you know, coming up with a bunch of ideas, distilling it down to a smaller number, expanding it out to a bunch of words. And then, you know, maybe another, another process of like editing that and then just doing it on stage. And then, 
the review process, which again, I don't do every time, but when I'm being, you know, when I'm being meticulous, I do. You're being a good boy. Yeah. When I'm being a good boy, <laughs> I good boy. listen to the recording twice. The first time I bullet point all the jokes, but basically I bullet point every time they're supposed to be a laugh. So mm-hmm. like, um, the thing about like my dog's age or like, you know, joke, joke about uncle Saul, like I'll, I'll you know, how I'll, I'll know what they mean, but I'll do a one word bullet point. So just to know, these are all the jokes that I said over the course of the, of the set. Then I'll mm-hmm. listen to it again and I will rate the amount of laughter from zero to 10, mm-hmm. zero being no you just laugh. record it like on your phone or did yes. like the, the house record it for you? Usually you record it on your phone. Uh, sometimes I bring like a little tripod and get video. It's, it's better to get video, but for this process, the audio is the most important thing. And tell us about, yeah, let's dig into the scale. So yeah. zero to 10, what is zero? What is 10? Zero is bomb. Zero is no laugh. Like Tens, you're killing. 10 is, yeah, 10 is just like you have to, it's like an applause break. Like you have to yeah. like wait to tell your next joke if you like <laughs> it so much. And I, I don't like, I don't give, I don't know if I've ever given myself a 10 because it's kind of this, I don't know. It's like the idea of, it's like the perfect. The you're perfect, the poet again. That you're, yeah, you're yeah. Forever, ever evolving. Right? You know, don't tell, don't tell the other comics you said that. But. <laughs> well, you guys are writers. Yeah. Uh, I come from a writing background um, and at the heart, you know, the heart and soul of what you guys do is is writing. And and yeah. comedy, comedy is so much more is so hard much harder than drama. Like by a mile, in my opinion. I well, one thing the big difference, which is the reason I love doing comedy, is because you get that instant feedback. You you see yeah. right away, did this work and did this not work? And if it worked, how well did it work? I like acting. I like doing I like drama. I love consuming drama, but oh, I oh yeah, it, it kills me to not know. How well I did. Yeah, I, I think we all love consuming drama, but I think just objectively in terms of skill and mm-hmm. um, quality of the of the depth of the writing and what you're trying to get out of it, you know, I think it's easier to get a cry than a laugh out of somebody. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's yeah there's there's definitely uh, there's definitely more pressure to be original in in comedy. Cause it's like, there's only so many dramatic things that can happen. Like I want to see lots of stories about, you know, betrayal and heartbreak and loss and love and all these things. But these are, you know, it's, it's the same, you know, universal human stories over and over versus you walk into a comedy club. Exactly. You, you, you listen to a comic, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know the topic. The whole part of one way people look at it is kind of making new connections that no one's really thought of before. And different people take it. Some people take it very seriously about being original. Some people don't like, I'm I'm the type who basically if I think I come up with a joke and I Google it and someone like made a tweet of of the same wordplay 10 years ago and no one saw it. I'm like, I'm not going to use that joke. That's like it's been Mm. done before. There are other people that are like, well, it's never been done as stand up comedy, so it's fine. And then there's other people that say, oh, like, yeah, another comic did the same premise, but this is a new take on it. You know, it's it's definitely like a code in your community, like an unwritten code that. Please don't copy or steal material. Yeah. Unless, right. I mean, there is, I mean, I don't think this is as talked about as much in um, public mm-hmm. realms or circles is there are people, there are uh, well-known acts that kind of are ghostwriters for other comics. Oh, but yeah. I think that's different, right? You're buying the material yeah, exactly. instead of stealing. Right. right. And, and and unfortunately, so a lot of, you know, theft happens by accident. There's people it's, it, it happens if you do it long enough, it'll happen to you uh, where you'll 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 say <laughs> something. And it's not always God damn it. It's, it's whack. It sucks. I can't but, win. But it's not always like when it happened to me, I was in college and it wasn't actually something that I'd heard. It was just a joke that someone else had come up with and told. 
sure. then the, like since I've heard like at least two other comics, I'm like, it's just an easy joke. It's a low hanging fruit. But in college, I was like accused. I was accused of stealing it from a particular comedian from like really? a special I had never watched. Um, yeah, it's a whole. That's a whole. That's a whole story. Yeah, that's a whole other. Was, like, was episode. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was like, auditioning for like the campus stand up club and got rejected. And I couldn't figure out why because I'm so what fucking great. The hell? Then it was like, yeah. I found out like through the grapevine that I like people were talking like, oh, like Willie like stole a fucking joke. I'm like, well, which joke? And what was interesting is I, this is you know I had just started out, so it was I, pure coincidence. It was pure coincidence, but I didn't know which joke it was, so I had to completely rewrite my act, which actually at the wow. time was very helpful because it showed that like oh you know you can start fresh and still be okay and actually i think that was that was a help as opposed to a hindrance because i learned oh i can just i can write a new set you know yeah working on 15 minute sets right now i is the eventual goal like the 30 minute sets the hour-long special on netflix the tv show what would be the dream gig in the next five to ten years for you the the main goal is to be like passed which means to basically pass auditions at all the comedy clubs in new york city yep. um and be just performing club level comedy all the time like seller kind of well sellers sellers like the final boss sellers like the most i, I would say <laughs> He's fucking bowser and mario brothers it's it's like the you most people my, my understanding is you pass everywhere else and then you try to get past at the sell because the seller is in terms of like club comedy is the cream yeah. of the crop gotcha. caroline's gets like a lot of the very big great headliners so like i consider them on like they're basically that's top that's tier one right there the seller yeah and Caroline's yeah. um but sellers where you go to see like nine of the best comics you've never heard of and Caroline's is and where sometimes you go like Chappelle or rock just shows up out of nowhere right people will bumps, just show up he bumps the headliner that night and now you're watching Chappelle or rock or whoever right, right. And, and yeah it's it that that happens there and it can happen you know I've seen that happen to Caroline's and other clubs too Caroline's is great for like you're like oh there's comic uh, is in town for two nights. I'm going to see them, and then I'm also going to see their opener, maybe like a middle act that I've never heard of, but who are really good. So they're, yeah. they're they're good for different things, but they're you know those are the two top clubs, and then the rest of them are all like you know they're they're clubs you want to be in those clubs. So anyway, so that's that's the sh the medium term goal, and then eventually, yes, I'd love to be like recording specials and you know have do an hour uh, and then throw it away and start a new hour so um this 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 brings me to mm -hmm. a uh, question that i was i was really looking forward to asking you in this interview is within that context so let's say hypothetically you're doing your hour-long netflix special getting everything you want in the industry uh but once you're there how do you feel about how the landscape, the culture of the industry is evolving. Specifically, uh -huh. I feel like on one hand, there is like your uh, the comics and comedians and standups and whoever, you know, Second City, you know, troops, they have to be so happy that they are in this world where they have YouTube and Instagram. Right. There's so many different ways they can get their comedy and their material out to people and really connect with people. But on the other hand, we are exponentially growing into more wokeism and mm -hmm. incredibly sensitive audiences and cancel culture and and so so where do you lie in the mix of of the the industry landscape right now sure the first thing i say about about all the opportunities and youtube and all this it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand everyone has the access you can like upload a video of your stand up and email it to people as opposed to having yeah the floodgates are open right exactly like, Back the day, playing you... field is 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 leveled but now everyone wants to try exactly and that's the other edge of the sword is that there's so many people doing it it's really hard to stand out and make a name for yourself right um and that's why at least in new york i think part of it is just sticking with it and waiting for other comics to either 
move to LA or stop oh, yeah, doing grind. it. You got to grind. Exactly. Exactly. The yeah. grind and you get better and better. And then it's not about like who's the best. It's who's left standing, at least from right. how I perceive it. Um, And then in terms of like wokeness and sensitivity, I think about it a lot. So I, like I mentioned, I went to, <laughs> I went to like a very, very, very uh, politically active campus and I learned very quickly with the standup, you have obviously like, you know, people, PC is the name of the game. And it's not about like there's an approved list of things like that there's, oh, there's a way you have to talk about this, this or that. There's kind of the way I always perceive it is that once you enter certain territory, yeah. um, you have to either deliver or suffer the consequences. So if mm. I tell a joke about about sandwiches and it bombs, that's fine. All the wor- I feel bad, but nothing bad happens. If but if I you te- make a joke about the trans community and it yeah, bombs. If I, if I make a joke about any identity that's not my own and it doesn't work or it works and someone gets pissed off, then it's yeah. not good. So yeah. at first it has to work because, you know, it, like if you uh, if you bomb, even people that like agree with your politics or your perspectives on like the PC issue, they're going to hate you and they're not going to be able to defend you when yeah. the people who, you know, are advocating for any given group like come at you. I don't mean to say like like that, but like and what's one of the reasons that i feel like there's um again it's not what you talk about because i I think there are some comics that love to complain about oh the changing landscape and like everyone's so woke now but then you look at like all the other comics it's like it's not that no one else is complaining it's that people adapt and people make it work and a lot of times the ones who are getting the most flack are either intentionally trolling or they're Mm. just you know, there's a mismatch of their target demo and the people being served with their material. I consider, you know, I'm, I know some comedians themselves don't like to talk about this or admit this. I, I like the idea that comedians are kind of our modern day philosophers and that comedy and humor is, is really, I've always, I've said this in, in previous episodes, it's one of the best vessels to get into people's heads. Yeah. Hard to digest things, material, right. you oh, know, definitely. you know, talking about, um, <laughs> God, I, we could, we could go off the deep end about all the taboo subject matter right. that, uh, that is in the, um, the cultural landscape right now. So guys, uh, if you're listening, just pick your favorite thing. It could be fucking abortion rights. It could be trans, you know, rights or the community or what, whatever the thing is that you feel like is, is pushing a button or triggering you or whatever. I, I like, I've always, I've always gravitated to those comics like Ricky mm-hmm. Gervais and like your inspiration for pushing these envelopes and making us think think about things differently. And I've seen, you know, like, you know, Chappelle is a gold standard of how, you know, everyone knows Chappelle. So like the more and more I see some of these sets, it's like less and less comedic and more like, you know, motivational speeches Mm. and social commentary and things like that. What do you think about those kind of sets and that, that kind of evolution of the craft? Yeah. I mean, I definitely, there's times you're watching a special and and you're like, when was the last time I laughed? Like I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Like where's the jokes? Uh, Where's the jokes? That's just (laughs) comedy. I don't want to hear fucking Ted talk. Well, one thing I want to say that's interesting about like the identity thing uh, is like, okay. So for example, like I, I have this idea in my mind of people, comics shouldn't, you shouldn't try not to do like, identity tourism like say sure. oh I'm, I'm gonna think about this one group write one joke about them and then move on and not think about them ever again so for yeah. example there's a lot of amazing trans comics out there and each of them has written and probably heard many 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 jokes about being trans the trans experience trans people in sure. society versus if you're if you're not trans and you write one joke it better be fucking good because mm. people have heard 
many jokes about their own identity. Same for me as like as a Jew, where it's like I've heard and written many jokes about being Jewish, and I can tell the difference between someone's like, oh, I'm gonna think about Jews for a second, write a joke, and move on, versus someone that has thoughtfully said like, oh, I have something new, interesting, or funny to say about Jews, and then it doesn't matter what it is. It's if, if it's if it's funny and it makes you think and you haven't heard it before you're good to go. And that's why I think that there are some comics that are choosing to be crybabies or they don't want to adapt or they don't want to like, they don't want to, they don't want to do anything differently when the whole thing is about adjusting what you're doing. So are you of the camp then, uh, just to kind of translate for Mm -hmm. some, some of my audience is, um, you're, you're okay. If it's still within the context of it's, it's, it's a joke. It's comedy. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not trying. I'm maybe make, making you try try to think about things differently. But at the end of the day, because most, you know, at the at the end of the day, most comics and comedians or or whatever, you know, even like stand up, you know, late night uh, stand or late night talk show hosts, things like that, mm-hmm. they're usually liberal and inclusive. And you know, just like our show, we're very inclusive. Mm-hmm. We love our trans people. We love LGBT community, mm-hmm. minority women, you know, whatever. But they're still they're still doing jokes about them. And I feel like I think I feel like the more I get into understanding your community and really studying this this passion and this mm-hmm. art form it it boils down to like well if it's like one if it's a roast it's a roast it's we're not it's not personal you know it's still right. if it's funny if it's a joke if it lands then that's all it is in it of itself right and well i it's i've had a lot of conversations with people about the idea of intent of like okay you didn't you're not intending to be hateful the problem is once someone has taken issue with what you've said intent yeah. can't save you ah okay. that's just how it is you know what i mean that's not that's not because i think it's how it should be or whatever i'm complaining about it like that's just what it is like, i'm not sure it, it's kind of like if, like if, do you like to push buttons in your set or do yeah well, you well it's, it? it's more about pushing boundaries as opposed to pushing buttons so i think okay, like, well, yeah yeah so the thing is like the the Pushing envelopes, if you will. Yeah, like, the, the do you least... like to you challenge your audience with something that may be a little touchy then? Definitely. Well, so the way I look at it, like, it's basically all the topics in the world, it's a map. So there's very, there's very familiar, well-explored territory, which is like, you know, for the most part, food and family and dating, things that everyone's thought about and, and yeah. talked about and joked about. Yeah. And then there's things that are either historically taboo or a lot of people just won't go for it that are less like well explored like like um like what you said abortion for example yeah because a, for for the longest time you can't say that's that a in a movie pusher or yeah. it's, it's it's you're really going to test your audience right. with that subject cuz a lot of people will be 50-50 right? right so and 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 the whole thing is it's like it's almost it's not even about oh are the people going to agree with me it's about like you bring up a different and I like I learned I also learned this when I was like you know learning about dynasty handbag in the performance art world. In yeah. the performance art world, people love this term difficult, the idea of difficult subject matter. Like for example, mm. during the AIDS crisis, you know, performance art that dealt with HIV or like an HIV positive performer who made a piece about it, people would say, Oh, that's it's a difficult subject matter. It is it's not an it's not any kind of indictment or judgment of the art itself, but it's talking about the topic, the the place on the map you've gone is considered to be difficult. So it's, yeah. it's treated differently. You have to treat it differently as an artist. So I love to explore that kind of stuff. Um, there is a degree of, you know, I- There's forget, still lines, you know, obviously. There's still lines, of yeah. course. And, you have to, and the thing is, there's the name of the game, I think it's still a lot about respect. Like, for example, let's say I, if I wanted to do a, a material about 
Um, respect and it still has to be funny. You know, it has, it has to be has funny. To, yeah, but if, if I wanted to talk about value and quality, right? right. So like, I talk I talk about the Holocaust in my material sometimes. Like, really? But, but, that yeah, it's got to be hard. It Jesus. can be. I mean, it, depe- <laughs> it depends. I mean, the best the best is the kind of joke where it's like I call, like a reverse dog whistle where Jew like other Jews will hear that it's a Holocaust joke and they'll laugh and then because mm. a lot of times it's like does fucking, those land? Yeah, Jew, Jews in, even we invent, with dude, like non. Jewish communities. Well, that's the whole thing. Is so like the I, I find the people that have the most trouble with the Holocaust jokes are non-Jews yeah. who like don't know how they're supposed to feel about yeah, it. We don't want to be insensitive. Yeah, thing, and you don't right? want to be seen laughing at. So that's why, like, same yeah. thing. For example, like Shoah is the word that a lot of Jews will use to instead of the word Holocaust. And sometimes I'll say if it's just like a throwaway line, I'll say that because it'll make the Jews who get it laugh. And if you don't, if you don't get it, like. You're not going to laugh, and it's not about oh, haha, you don't get the joke. It's about like I don't know if you would laugh if I said Holocaust. The Jews might still mm. laugh. I don't know if the non-Jews would. Part of that language that's your is audience. so important. Oh my yeah. god, that's a good point. Yeah, right. And so you know when you hear people, um, there's a lot of comics who you know grew up speaking English and Spanish, and they'll sometimes say you know they'll throw in a line in Spanish, and you'll hear the Spanish speaking members, of the audience laugh at it, and for the rest of us, oh, that's not for us. Right. Um, but when it comes to, the, I just want to go back for a second to talk about the difficult subject matter and my approach, to my personal beliefs about it. Is like let's say I wanted to talk about like the Armenian genocide. Okay. Personally, if I was going to do that, I would need to like research it and read about it and know what the fuck I'm talking about it because like it, inside and out, like, yeah, dear God. Yeah. You don't want to be wrong. It's, I, I mean, like I, it really, like I go to, you know, see shows and, and go to mics where people bomb and have ba- like bad sets. And usually it's like, Oh, that's too bad. I wish you had a good set. Like I'm bored and annoyed that you're not making me laugh, but I'm not mad. But when someone's like wrong on stage, I get mad. You know what I mean? When someone is like, and it's like an ignorance thing. So I think the more, you know, if you're going to explore these kind of challenging, unexplored parts of the map, you have to like be prepared. You have to like look into what's known about it. What are people's feelings about it? Like what happened? And even like what happened that day in the news? I, when, when I was in college, I would bring comics to campus and sometimes, like this, I think some of the smart ones would say, "Brief me what's going on on campus. Like, what are people <laughs> sensitive about?" A lot of comics are scared of going to universities for gigs. Yeah, but the money is real good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, they, the, the, yeah. well <laughs> are, we do a uh, we do a weekly PSA. Nice. All you Ooh. all you comics out there, the money is good. Don't don't be scared. That's it's not, again again. It's like those jokes. High risk, high reward. There you go. Um, yeah. That's and true. that's funny you mentioned. I also I just want to say this. Uh, I've started working on PSAs. I started getting into the public service announcement world. So, <laughs> do you got one for us today? Don't throw water in a grease fire. That's an easy one. Yeah, don't walk across heavy uh, highways. Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're wearing all black, no one can see you. <laughs> if you're out of money, give a literal tip at a restaurant. Things hey, like that. There yeah. you go. <laughs> the PSA. Um, God, I love man. That was incredible insight thank you willie for uh, kind of going down um a, not an easy road to travel in this in the conversation yeah and so i appreciate you um going down that road thank with you. us and um god it's just i what do you think the before we move on from mm-hmm. this this a little more um challenging subject matter sure. what do you think the future holds there's a part of me that's like it's only going to get worse. People are going to get more sensitive and be in these echo chambers. And, and we're going to have to really, I feel like a lot of comics feel like they already have to tiptoe. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and, and they're fearing in the future, it's only going to get worse. What I, do you I, think? I, I don't, well, first of all, I, I'm 
believe in the PC pendulum that like yeah. there's periods where it's people get very 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 strict and i think the pandemic you know there there has been a lot of life-changing events in the last few years and i can see why this has curdled in different ways right and i also think there's a generation of of comics who are even like you know who are members of groups that like maybe five ten years ago people say oh don't make jokes about those groups who are like you know gen z comics are saying like you're being an old fogey let me tell let me tell jokes about my own fucking experience so i think that i think there's also like a younger generation that's just ready to like not be as restricted who are like they they've taken the lessons of respect and understand the empathetic parts of oh yeah like don't use comic don't use comedy to you know push to like reinforce a stereotype or like you know talk shit about something you have no idea what you're talking about um but who are like you know they they know they've taken those lessons but they're also like let me say weird dumb things <laughs> like that, yeah let's laugh let's get Fuck. weird let's yeah get fucking weird uh it you know that's a good point i i no one knows what the future holds i guess we'll find out but it, a lot of i this actually is a good uh parallel to a lot of artists a lot of other artistic communities it's a pendulum yeah. you know as soon as people get fucking sick of the extreme sensitivity or like yeah there's gonna be probably a whole generation of comics that are like well, if you're going to be sensitive about that, oh, I, I got something for you. They're like, you know, rubbing their hands together with right. the material that they have in their head. So, yeah, I could see it kind of going in the other way at extreme and being like, sorry, you're, you know, right. um, you made your bed kind of situation. Um, before we move on, I do want to ask you a, a fun non-comedy uh, related sure. question. I, I, I noticed that. There are um, aspects to your art that is uh, that where you kind of venture away from comedy. So when you're not working in comedy, hmm. uh, what else do you like to do? It looks like you're kind of like the traditional art forms as well, like a little bit of uh, drawing, doodling, painting, maybe. Yeah, I like I like to. I've always liked to draw. Have not put a lot of work into combining it with the other stuff. Like I, you know, tried making like a web comic for a minute, like oh, cool. very casually. It's I, I just really is it out know, there. Could we? It's there's like four panels existing, maybe. Oh, okay. uh, if, you, if you maybe deep, it was called like warm soapy water. Maybe I'll bring it back. Um, okay. But warm, I, I, I like, okay. yeah, I like to do. Yeah, <laughs> I like the title. Thank you. It's, yeah, it's a good phrase. Um, yeah, I like to draw. I'm not. I'm not like. Uh, I'm really not like a trained artist in any discipline. I, I really like to play music. Uh, yeah. What do you play? Slowly, I play the keys uh, a little bit. I play the musical saw. Which is a weird, oh god, a weird one. Like with uh, the violin bow. Yep, that's the one. I'm a uh, bit of a musicologist, so okay. I study. I'm very fascinated, and I study. I study probably music more than anything, honestly. Well, you'll, so you'll, that's that's. I've never met a. Uh, I've never met a saw player. There's not a lot of us. <laughs> True. <laughs> I love the saw. I, I saw. There's this great uh, experimental theater group called Mabu Minds, and I saw them perform once. And the the house musician had a had a musical saw, and I was like, I. I need to learn to play that and spot bought a saw <laughs> and the rest is history there as well. Well, uh, Willie, thank you so much for being with us today. So if someone wanted to follow you or get into your work or see your next show. How do they keep up with Willie Zabar? It's not yes. Zabar. It's Zabar yes. with a heart, with a long, a right? long heart. A. Yes. Uh, so it's Willie Zabar, W I L L I E Z A B A R uh, on Instagram is probably the best way to get up to date uh, info on me. But if you go to my website, which is williezabar.com, you can sign up for my email list. There and you about, you know, maybe once a month when I, I just send out a list of all the shows that I have coming up and with all the links to buy tickets where they are on the map, all the information you need is in those emails or on my Instagram. Willie, thank you for joining us today. 
Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hey, our pleasure. And guys, I want to say thank you for listening. Now, before we go, of course, we need to give a little love to our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the novel The Entropy Sessions, a tale of loss, love, and madness in our past, present, and future relationships with technology. Find it on Amazon and as an audiobook through Audible. The show is also sponsored by Zencaster, our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud, so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use and there's nothing to download so go to zen.ai that's z-e-n.ai slash art of the beholder or just use promo code art of the beholder and get 30 percent off your first three months with the pro account if you like that of course you can check out some of our stuff at novadayproductions.com there you'll find things like the entropy sessions as already stated adulteration post meridium cancel culture lotto of course you'll see more ads for this show you can check out some of our other shows here click this button you know what to do like and subscribe do all the things you got guys you know what to do i don't need to say anything and if you'd like to sponsor our little love child here or be on the show you can reach out to us at novadaymedia at gmail.com so until next time be good to each other and as always good luck and godspeed we love you art of the beholder is brought to you by novoday productions created and hosted by novoday and the novoday collective facebook.com slash novodaymedia at novodaymedia on twitter and instagram music by a company Facebook.com slash music 123 ACO on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S, of thejusticecompany.com, and executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.